quick one. If you can hit follow or subscribe to this podcast, that really helps me track new listeners. Cheers. Hello and welcome back to the Wealth Journal podcast with me, Jay Hardy. Now, it's been a few weeks since I last posted an episode. Firstly, sorry about that, but it has been great to see that people have still been downloading and listening to the Wealth Journal podcast. Now, so much has been happening over the last few weeks in the world of finance. I think I could probably record this episode for about three hours and still have more to discuss, but I'm going to focus on some of the more important points in my Wealth Journal over the last few weeks and see if I can try and keep it punchy. Now, before we get into that, it's important to remember that the Wealth Journal is, of course, not financial advice, and it is here for purely educational and entertainment purposes. Before making any investment decisions, please make sure you do your own research and speak with a qualified investment professional. So, the first thing I want to cover off is my current thoughts and feelings around investing at the moment. And honestly, I am finding it quite a struggle. You know when it's winter and you wake up in the morning, it's dark outside, you can maybe hear the rain against the window, you know the traffic is going to be bad and you just want to roll over and go back to sleep. That is how I feel about investing right now. And there are a few things contributing towards that. Firstly, the markets. The markets have been trending down so far this year, which normally hasn't always phased me that much. I know that they're sometimes the best times to invest. However, this year, I just feel worse off. Bills have been going up. There's loads of uncertainty going into winter with energy prices, the economy, the war in Ukraine. So I've just felt like I want to keep hold of as much money as possible because one, I want a nice safety net, maybe even more so now. And two, I just don't really know where to put it. And then I guess three, I think things are likely to get worse, maybe even a lot worse. So it has affected me. And it's funny because if anything, history has taught us that in times like this, where markets are down and there's lots of uncertainty, they're some of the best times to invest. And I know this, I've preached it on the podcast many times, but when you're actually living through those times and rather than reflecting back on them, it's so difficult to think in a really positive way, even when you know that in the future, the math sort of, sort of adds up. So if you've been following the Wealth Journal uh, and you're on your own investment journey, then let me know how you feel. What's your mindset like currently? How are you thinking about investing? Are you still investing or have you found it a little bit more difficult, similar to me? Right. The next point I have is why am I so pessimistic at the moment? Well, I'd like to take you back to episode 25 of the podcast. Now, the title actually said, There was a few other bits, but one of the bits was the next housing market crash, question mark. Now, I'm not saying I predicted the future here because I don't think the market has actually crashed yet, but I was concerned about the housing market back then when interest rates started to go up. Now, in October 2022, I'm really concerned because the conditions that worried me then have multiplied. And there are a couple of things at play here. And I'll try and address them both in isolation, but combined, I think they create an even more difficult situation. Firstly, inflation. Before Russia invaded Ukraine, we and the US were dealing with very high inflation. So to combat that, the central banks 
set out about increasing interest rates, raising the cost of borrowing, which in theory brings prices down because debt's more expensive, savings more attractive, and in a roundabout way, it leads to a reduction in inflation. I don't want to get too much into that. But my concern here was that the housing market I felt back in March and still today was very frothy, almost bubbling. Now, huge rises in home values accelerated by COVID, the stamp duty holidays, cheap, cheap mortgages, bidding wars on houses, I think pretty much led to people maxing out what they could afford because rates were so low in 2020 and 2021. But now we're in 2022 and soon to be 2023. And for those people on fixed deals, which are due to expire, um, so people that fixed the mortgages for two years, say in 2020, they're now having to remortgage in October 2022. They're going to see their monthly payments significantly increase. And my concern always was and still is today that if people maxed out their budget back in 2020, how much wiggle room do they have to absorb an even higher mortgage? Now, there's some stats here. So, Let's just take the housing market here in the UK. 26% of the total outstanding mortgages in the UK are on a variable rate. It varies. <laughs> so those people, their payments will be going up. Now, the remaining 74%, they're on fixed rates. But roughly 50% of those will need to be refinanced within the next two years, most likely higher rates. Now, 1.8 million households will need to refinance in the next 12 months with 300,000 of them due to refinance either this October or November, where at the moment the average two-year fixed deal is at almost 6% interest, which is you know, almost 5% higher, maybe just less than, than when there was that, before that mini budget that the government announced. Huge difference. And markets are now pricing in a rate of around 6% as they expect the Bank of England to, to get there to control both inflation and the, the falling value of the pound. So if we look at an example here, if you had a mortgage, a £300,000 mortgage, yeah, that's chunky, you know, don't get me wrong, and had a fixed rate of, say, 1.7%, your monthly payment was around £1,080. At a new rate of 6%, it would be around £1,740, a £660 increase just to live in your house. That is massive. And this is my number one concern because some people will no longer be able to afford to move or buy the house they want. And some may even struggle to afford the house that they are currently in. And I think this is when we'll see the market switch. Demand will reduce. Prices will start to fall. I could be wrong, but I think it could happen quite suddenly. And that's one of my fears. Especially when you combine it with issue number two, which is just the general increase to the cost of living. We are still facing rising energy and food prices of almost 13%. And that's before we know the full impact of the energy issues we're going to face going into winter. So like I said, two very serious things at play here. And when combined, it looks very dicey indeed. So my final point from my wealth journal this week, what am I doing about it? Now, let's not confuse this with what I think you should do about it because everyone's situation is different and I can't give advice, but I can tell you what I'm thinking. And firstly, it goes back to the financial hierarchy of needs. And I like checking in with this once in a while. 
Income is the most important. Making sure you have enough money to keep your life comfortable, you know, to live comfortably. There is no point in investing each month into a fund if you can't afford to put the heating on. So that's priority number one. Now, the next area I've been looking at is, is it debt or outgoings? You know, what can I afford to cut back on? And to be honest, there isn't a huge amount really. You know, when I, when I look at our bills, there's things like, you know, food and energy and stuff like that, you, you know, council tax. They're not exactly bills you can just, you know, <laughs> not pay. Um, but I, I have made one big change since I gave an update and that was, that was my car. Now I used to have a bit of a silly car. It was fast. It sounded great. Top of the range, but it was expensive. It was expensive to buy. It was expensive to insure. It was expensive to use. And I was always scared of it getting nicked as well. (laughs) But luckily the agreement for, for my car expired in September. So I had the choice. Um, I had the option to make a change. Don't get me wrong. I love a nice car. But I know through through doing the Wealth Journal and through learning all about assets and liabilities, I know the car is a liability. It's taking money out of my pocket each month. And for some cars, they can take huge chunks out of your monthly budget. And why? You know, why do we why do we let that happen? Well, most of it, you know, most of it's down to status games, isn't it? A nice car symbolizes success. It tells the neighbors and your mates you're doing well. And I get that. Don't get me wrong. I, I've fallen into the trap. Um, but they probably don't care as much as you think, let's face it. Anyway, despite my desire to have a nice, big, fancy car, I've gone for a sensible option. Don't get me wrong. It's still a nice car. But rather than something that's brand new, it's, it's a few years old. It's got a much smaller engine. It's more economical. A few less toys and gadgets. But it still gets me to where I need to go. And crucially, at half the cost. Half the cost. So now if you see me cruising around the streets of Manchester in a slightly worse car, just remember that I am better off. (laughs) So that's it in my wealth journal this week. Maybe not the feel good episode you was hoping for. Although I'm pessimistic about the short term, I always remain optimistic about the future. The sun will rise again tomorrow and the day after and the day after that. And when you follow finance and the financial press, it does always make it seem like the world is going to end. So My recommendation here is sometimes just disconnect, go outdoors, go for a walk. It will all be okay in the end. Um, But it is, it is difficult. It is difficult. And like I said, let me know what your thoughts are as well, whether you've got similar, similar feelings to, to me. Now, the next few weeks, I'll try and get some more guests on the podcast. And I have been trying to get guests on the last few weeks as well. And I found that basically there's, there's been a few guests that want to come on the podcast for, for reasons which don't align to the Wealth Journal podcast. So they might be people that have you know, reached out to me and I've had many people reach out and that's great. I want I want that to continue. But some guests reach out with almost like a bit of a bit of an ulterior motive. They want to come on the podcast to to present something that they almost want to sell through the Wealth Journal podcast to my audience, which that's not what I'm about. Um, and some of these could be like really experienced traders or people that have worked in finance, but then they've, I don't know, they've come up with a system. They've come up with a scheme that can help you navigate the trading world, like a trading system. And, you know, it sounds to me in some cases like get rich quick and yep, I don't believe in that. There's, there's no place for it, certainly here on the wealth journals. So that's, um, that's something that I've been, been trying to avoid and hopefully you'll, you'll appreciate that as well. So yeah, a few sort of um a few issues with guests over the last few weeks, but um anyway, that's that's what that's what happens. 
And I've always tried to sort of commit to doing weekly episodes. I found that difficult uh, the last few months, being honest. Um, life's been been busy. I'm sure it is for many people. Um, but yeah, we'll try and we'll try and keep the podcast going as much as possible. As always, thank you so much for listening. And um, yeah, look forward to speaking with you again soon. Take care. Thank you.